Amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, turn with me to the book of Proverbs 19, verse 3. The book of Proverbs 19, verse 3. Going to speak to you tonight on the thought of the folly of man will bring his own ruins. Man's own folly, his own foolishness, his own ways brings a ruin sometimes. The things we do, we bring on ourselves sometimes. The things we do without listening to God or just getting in our flesh, doing things our own way, can bring trouble upon our own selves. I want to read this one verse out of Proverbs 19, verse 3. The Word of God says, The foolishness of man perverted his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Let me read that again. The foolishness of man perverted his own way, his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. I simply want to speak to you tonight on the thought, the folly of man brings his own ruins. Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, we exalt you, God, and we praise you, Lord, tonight, God. We lift you up, dear God, this evening, Lord, and ask for your anointing, and ask for your spirit, O oh God. Lord, that your hand to be upon me, dear God, tonight, Lord. That your spirit be upon me, Lord, to put the words in my mouth, what you would have me to speak, O oh God, tonight, Lord. Lord, I need your help in bringing forth thy word. I need your help in speaking thy word, O oh God, tonight, Lord. Lord, this evening, we ask God for you to just take this word and let, those, let it go where it needs to go, God. Do the work that needs to do, be done, Lord. We honor you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. How many in here has ever heard the term self-inflicted? In case if you've never heard that term, that term simply means a wound or a other harm that one has inflicted upon their self. In other words, they caused it to come upon oneself. It wasn't done by nobody else, but it was done by the, the you. It was done by you, in other words. It was a self-reason that those wounds come up. And I thought about how tonight there's many people that have brought self-wounds upon their own life. And I thought also about how many things could have been avoided in our life if we would have just sought the face of God, if we would have just listened to wisdom and wise counsel and trying to do things our own way, if you will. You see, but tonight there's many people that bring things upon their self and they don't like the consequences that come along with it. They self-inflict their self with their own actions, if you will. Right here in Proverbs 19 and 3, that 
what, what I read out of the King James Version. Another translation puts it like this. When it says, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart will begin to rage against the Lord. You see, what, we, what that other translation was saying is the same thing the King James was saying. When sometimes we bring things upon ourselves and people begin to blame God for their problems. They begin to rage against God and, and curse God and put the blame upon Him. And many times, people will blame other people for the reason of their problem. But the reality is what I have discovered many times that many problems that many people bring on themselves, a lot of times these problems have become, was a result of self-infliction. They done it the way they wanted to do it. They didn't hear what God had to say. They, we, they would bring things upon their own self. They self-inflicted it upon their own life, if you will. You see, this ain't nothing new. We go in the Bible and we go back to the very first book in the Bible, in Genesis. And we begin to see right here in the creation how God created Adam and Eve and how He made man and woman. And what we begin to see is the fall and how man will tend to blame other people for their problems uh, instead of bringing it upon their self, instead of taking responsibility for what they have done. Uh, you see, that's a word that is missing today. How many know a word that needs to be taught uh, is the word responsibility? Uh, to be responsible for your own actions. Uh, don't put it on somebody else, uh, but that's what exactly a lot of people have. Uh, they don't want to be responsible for what they've done. They want to blame someone else. And I begin to see this in Genesis 19, Genesis 3, excuse me, verses 9 through 13. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and, my, and I hid myself. And he he said, who told you uh, that you were naked? Uh, have you eaten of the tree whereof I command you uh, that you should not eat? Uh, and the man said that the woman whom you get, gave to me with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Uh, and the Lord God said unto the woman, uh, what is this uh, that you have done? Uh, and the woman said uh, to, the, to the serpent, begulge me and I did eat. So what do we see right here in Genesis chapter 3? Understand what had happened. They had eaten of the forbidden fruit. They had eaten of the one tree that God had told them not to eat of. And here they were in the fall. And it was time that God was going to hold Adam and Eve accountable for what they done. How many know this is a picture that man's got to give and account to God for what they done. There's going to be a day where man will have to stand before God. Whether you done 
good things or bad things and give an account. There's going to be a day where man's going to have to stand before God and give an account what they did with his son Jesus Christ. You see it right here in Genesis. God was coming to hold Adam and Eve accountable for what they had done, if you will. They had brought this upon their self. They had brought this coming coming unto what was getting ready to come upon them. The consequences of their action. They had purposely brought that upon their self. Oh, what we know what God had told them. We know what God had told Adam in Genesis 2 and 17. He said, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Right there was the warning. Right there, God told them, you got 99% of everything else to eat in here that you can touch, you can eat of, but this one place, this one tree, you don't touch. Well, where was the place that they went? To the one place that God had told them not to go. To the one place that God said, stay away from, if you will. He had given them warning what would happen. He had told them that they would be a consequences if they did not do, if they disobeyed him, if you will. My Lord, they couldn't even keep this one simple thing right here. And they chose to go and do what God told them not to do. We know that Adam was given the command. But we know that the serpent had showed up to Eve and began to challenge the very words of God when the serpent said unto Eve, Did God really say you shall die? How many know that God told them in Genesis 2 and 17, the day that you eat of the tree, the day you disobey me, the day you do what I told you not to do would be the day that you die. They died spiritually that day. So what we see is a challenge of the Word of God. Adam and Eve, really, Eve was the one deceived, and Adam was the one who had rebelled. But either way, both of them had chose to disobey God. They chose not to believe what God had told them. They said, we're going to believe what that devil tells us, that serpent told us, and we ain't going to believe God. You know who they listened to? They listened to a liar. They listened to the father of lies. They listened to one that was out to plot their downfall. They listened to the thief, if you will. They really, Satan had challenged the Word of God. And they really didn't believe that they would be consequences to what they had done. In other words, they said, we're going to believe what we want to believe. ain't going to believe God. We're going to believe this lie. We ain't going to believe what God told us. Now, Lord, you think about it. How many today are believing that lie today? They ain't believing the warnings. But they are totally, they ain't heeding what God is saying. I'll tell you right now. I believe in this hour, there's a message that's telling people you better get right. I'm telling you, there's a message that says you better prepare to meet the Lord thy God. I'm telling you right now, there's a message that's 
it's telling us. I believe God's giving an altar call. If you want to put it like that in this hour. My Lord, we see pestilence running all over. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what we see is something made up because it's real. Got a friend they're burying tomorrow in North Carolina that just died of COVID-19. People dying. I'm glad, praise to God for these testimonies. But yet I know there's people dying. And I know what the world's getting ripe. And I'm telling you the world's in chaos and confusion. They ain't no leadership in America. I'm telling you, they ain't a leadership in the world much. The world's getting ripe. And people are just going around eating, drinking, and be marrying like nothing's going to happen. I'm telling you, they ain't heeding God. Because if you were to see the signs of the time, you see everything Jesus spoke about when he talked about the hour that is coming, when he talked about the coming of the end of the age, if you will. These things we see, the signs are there. And if I was to say the message of this hour to this world would be was get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get your house in order and give your heart to Jesus Christ for he is coming. Life is short. Heaven is real. Hell is real. But people ain't heeding this. You know what they're worried about? And hear what I'm telling you tonight. And I've told you before, I respect people's medical freedom. I'm not, if you don't take the vaccine, I'm not against you. I'm not going to turn against you. If you take it, I'm not against you. I love you whether you take it or you don't take it. Amen? That's your choice. Hello? I don't believe in this division going on in the land. Trying to separate people because somebody took a shot and somebody may be a little empty on it. Amen? Let them lose their own decision. But I'm telling you, we see one against the other. This is what they're trying to do. It's all part of what I talked about. Back in that revival I preached, the global reset, this is where it's all bullying down to. You can't get people to work anymore. Hello? I'm telling you, you're getting people prepared to, for any old, people getting ready for any old thing anymore. I'm telling you, they ain't listening to what God's saying. I told them this morning, and like I said, I'm a strong believer in medical freedom when it comes to this shot and stuff. I'm a strong believer. You make your choice on that. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what scares me. There's people worrying about getting the virus, but they're not worried about where they're going to spend eternity at. Let me tell you. I, I don't mean to sound cruel or anything right here, but it ain't that dying part you need to worry about. That ain't what they need to worry about. It need, they need to worry about where they're going to spend eternity at. That's the most important thing right there. Hello. But people ain't listening to God. I believe God's trying to get some attention. You're hearing earthquakes, volcano corruptions that just happened overseas today and everything that's going on. It seems simultaneously. And God's message is get ready. Get prepared. But people ain't listening to God. They're not believing the warnings. 
They're not hearing the warnings that God is crying out in this last day and hour that we're in. But I want you to know, just like Adam and Eve did not believe what God had to say, I want you to know that God said what He meant, and He meant what He said. He, let me tell you, you say, preacher, I don't believe what you're saying. It don't, like I told you this morning, you don't have to believe me. But it don't change the fact that God said what he meant, and he meant what he said, whether you believe it or not. Hello? It don't. Let me tell you, God came. He told them, you don't touch of this tree. Don't eat of this tree. And they go ahead and do it anyway. So here comes time. They're going to have to give an account. There comes a time that Adam and Eve had to give an account to a holy God. They had to answer. Listen, in other words, God called Adam. He said, where are you, Adam? Happened in you exactly. God knew exactly where Adam was. God knew exactly what Adam had done. Oh, you hear me? God was calling him into accountability. What, what was Adam doing? When God was calling him in accountability, what was Adam and Eve doing? They were hiding. They were trying to hide from the presence of God. How many know you can't hide from the presence of God? How many know you can, you'll run into a brick wall? Let me tell you. I remember when I was called to preach, I tried to run. I tried to run this way. I tried to run that way. I tried to go that way. And I tried to go that way. All I found every way I go was I could not escape the presence of Almighty God. I couldn't escape Him. My Lord, I surrendered to Him and accepted the call to preach. Uh, man, I remember a time I got so, I didn't want to preach so much that I turned my back and backslid and went to the world when I started preaching. But guess what? I couldn't run from God. God. He got a hold of them. He, he got a hold of me and brought this backslider back. I knew what God had called me, but I didn't want to do it. But I found out as I got into the world, I said, I can run from him. Don't have to go to church. But any, uh, like I thought, I said, if I stay out there, I'll be all right. But how many know him? It didn't matter where I was at. God knew exactly where I was at. God ex knew exactly where to find me. I could not expect the presence of God even though I tried to hide myself he knew exactly where Adam was you know what that hiding told me there was definitely something wrong because before Adam and Eve had welcomed it a divine approach because before the fall God had come down and had fellowship with them in the cool of the day. Now they were hiding from God. Watch when somebody tries to hide from you. Something ain't right. Do you hear that? There's your good indication when something ain't right. When they tried to hide. Let me tell you, instead of having a welcome to see God, Adam and Eve had a divine fear upon them. They had dread upon them. They knew what was coming. They knew it's time that they had to give an account to the Almighty. They knew they had to give an account 
to God, if you will. So what happened? It was answering time for Adam and Eve. It was time for them to answer to God for what they done. So what happened? Here's where we go. They started blaming. Hello? The blame game come in. Adam blamed the woman that God had given him. It's her fault. Putting it all on her. And even worse than that, he was pretty much blaming God for giving him the woman. So he didn't want to take responsibility for his actions. I remind you that he was the priest of the air. He should have put he should have told her no. So it's her fault. It's her fault. It's your fault for giving it to me, God. Blame. Passing the buck, if you will. Not my fault. Adam said, it ain't my fault it happened. Her fault. Your fault in the way, God, because you give her to me. I didn't, see now. I didn't ask to go in a deep sleep. You take one of my ribs. You give her to me. He's putting the blame on her. Oh, it didn't stop there. She, he didn't want responsibility. But what else happened? Eve goes on to blame the serpent. It's his fault. He had a serpent tempter, but the serpent didn't take it off the tree and hand it to her and put it in her mouth. Do you hear that? She blames the serpent. What do we see? We see a lack of responsibility. We see Adam blaming Eve and God and Eve blaming the serpent. What it is, the truth of the matter is, they were all three cohorts in it. They were all guilty. In the eyes of God. They weren't none of this passing the buck. God wasn't going to accept that. The re reality is, they didn't want to take responsibility for what they done, for their action. And what they wanted to do was, Adam wanted to pass the buck. You just take it for me. He didn't want to have to give an account for what he done. He tried to give it to the serpent. See, it goes like this. What I found out most time, most people don't want to give an account for what they done. They don't want to take responsibilities for what they have done. Instead, they pass the buck on somebody else. It's your fault that I'm in this mess. It's your fault that I, I done this. It's your fault. How many know? I'll give you an example. Somebody gets fired from a job. Most of the time, the person that gets fired ain't going to tell you what they done. They're just going to tell you how bad it was and run down the boss and make up what was wrong on the job. 
I'm telling you the truth. They don't tell you how they were too lazy to work. They don't tell you how many tight days they didn't show up for work or they took days off when they weren't supposed to take days off. Or they want to go in whenever they want to go in and not when the job tells you to get there. How many know you can, if when you work for somebody else, you go in when that employer tells you to go in? How many know you take days off with the permission of the employer? How many know you got a responsibility to do that job? What's going to happen if you don't hold up your life? At least that employer is going to fire you. If it becomes a constant habit and you, go, you have show up, I can't blame no employer for firing somebody. It's for anything. But most people will tell you what others have done but won't tell you what they have done. They won't tell you their foolishness. They won't tell you what they, what caused it really. They just want to pass the buck like it ain't nobody else's. Like it's some, somebody else's fault. And a lot of times, most of the time, it's the one looking in the mirror's fault. Folly. People's own folly will bring their ruin. Adam Eve was in this situation because of their own folly. Because of their own situation. They caused this. Who did God place all this on? He placed it on all of them. But a lot of people find it's so much easier to blame others than take responsibility for yourself. That's what the world wants to do today. Think about it. People want to blame problems for God. I'm speaking. I seen something on one of my family members' pages. And I, I just shook. I said, I'm a, I said, that statement's crazy. Blaming God for the problems. Told Mama, I said, the problem ain't with God. The problem was self-inflicted. If he happens to be watching, he needs to take responsibility for his own actions and repent of that thing he said. But I'm telling you, Your own folly can bring your own ruins. See, listen. People can't blame God if they die and go to hell. Why? For John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. God put a sacrifice up there. God sent Jesus, the word that become flesh, the son of God, to, that we could have eternal life. How many know that? But the reason people will go to hell is because they reject Jesus Christ. Can't blame it on God. See, the only person responsible is yourself. See, on the day of judgment, you're not going to be able to stand up there. I'll use Junior Barty. <laughs> you ain't going to be able to sit up there and blame it on Sister Norman Jean. You're going to be there in front of God yourself. You ain't going to be up there to blame it on anyone else, but it's just going to be you and God. There ain't going to be no place in the blame. God ain't going to hear that stuff. 
See, what it tells us is when we are at the age of accountability, we're responsible for our own actions. We're responsible for our own actions. See, God said, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to deal with all of you. Because God found them all guilty. Adam, Eve, and the serpent. They were all guilty before God. Oh, the blame game wasn't working before God. Let me just tell you that tonight. The blame game don't work before a holy God. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. God, first and foremost, we know God put a curse upon the serpent. Genesis 3 and 14, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall eat, you shall you eat all the days of your life. There he goes, the serpent, the snake upon his belly. The woman got cursed. Genesis 3, 16. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrows and your conception in sorrow. And you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be to your husband and he shall rule over you. Now, ladies, the men got something placed upon them as well. Man, man himself had a curse. We're still under this today, by the way. Adam had it on him. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And unto Adam he said, Because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I command you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. For your sake and sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the ground. For out of it were you taken for dust. You are and unto dust shall you return. So what we see right here in Genesis, nobody wanted to take responsibility. God said all three of you are responsible. Not only that, let me tell you, we'll see something out. But I'm going to say again, Adam and Eve brought this upon their own selves. They self-inflicted it by disobeying God. Their own folly brought their ruins. And we find out that they were literally consequences for their actions. And we want to know why bad things happen? Go back to where I'm talking about right now. Because of the fall. But it didn't stop there. What happened to Adam and Eve also as well? There was more consequences coming. Remember, they were in the Garden of Eden. They were in paradise. What did God do to them? Genesis 3 and 24. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the gate a garden of, of east of the Garden of Eden. Cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Here's what I'm telling you. Not only did they have a curse put upon them, 
that got drove out of the garden. And I'm telling you, I believe it was drawn with authority. See, it tells me the day of judgment, people can't blame nobody but their own self. The Lord's not going to accept excuses why you rejected Him. God's not going to accept you putting the blame on someone else. The only thing that's going to be said is going to be, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Some would say, How can a loving God send someone to hell? Anybody ever heard that statement? I'll tell you, it ain't God that will send you there. It's you yourself that will send you to hell. It's your choice. It's your folly. God just honors it. God just honors your choice, if you will. See, it's man's folly that will bring his own ruins, his foolishness. The things he done, he self-inflicted upon his self. That's what the Bible tells us. Self-infliction. You don't pay your bills. Don't be surprised they cut the light out. Hello. If I don't pay the car payment, they'll come and get the car. If I have the money to pay the car payment and I don't take it and I don't pay it, Guess what they're going to, they ain't nothing. I lose the car. Guess whose fault it is? Mine. It's my folly. But a lot of people would blame the bank. You know? <laughs> Excuse me. There comes times where we need to take responsibility for our own actions. What happened at the Garden of Eden was self-inflicted. Wasn't God's fault. God told them not to eat of that tree. But they went ahead and done it anyway. God told them the consequences, but they didn't believe it. They were warned. But yet they didn't believe. See, a lot of times... I said a lot of times, there's a few times it may not be. But there's a lot of times where man's own folly is the cause of their ruin. It's their own actions. They inflict it upon their self. And the responsibility, don't lie on someone else. The responsibility will lie on you. See, there's another man that we read in the Bible by the name of Nabal. Anybody ever heard that name? The name Nabal means fool, by the way. And boy, didn't he live up to it. 1 Samuel 25, verses 2 and 3. Now there was a man in Mahon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep. And a thousand goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. 
Now the name of that man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding of, and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doing. And he was of the house of Caleb. Boy, Nabal, I've not got time to go into the whole message, but I'll tell you this. Nabal lived up to the meaning of his name, a fool. He may have been of the house of Caleb, but he was not of the spirit and faith of Caleb. Let me tell you what happened. David had been kind to Nabal. And David simply made some requests for some food. And Nabal had plenty, as we'll see. But Nabal refused to help David and his men. And in fact, he insulted David and sent them away empty-handed. Even Nabal's servant told Abigail, his wife, that he was a son of Belial, meaning a worthless one. Nabal was worthless, if you will. That's what it was meaning right there. Wouldn't help. He had plenty to do. He said, a man can't even speak to him. It was Abigail who eventually saved the day. David was going to slay him. But Abigail got in the way his wife. God was going to deal with him. Let me tell you, he didn't help the man of God. He didn't help PDs. And we know the Bible says that he could. 1 Samuel 25, 36 through 38 tells us about Nabal. And Abigail came to Nabal. And behold, he held a feast in his house. Like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him. For he was very drunk. Wherefore she told him nothing less or more unto the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning. When the wine was gone out of Nabal. And his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And it came to pass about ten days after the Lord smote Nabal that he died. Let me tell you, many commentaries tell you that Nabal either had a heart attack or a stroke. In that condition, he laid for ten days. What good was all that he had now? He was a fool. What would have happened if he'd have been kind to David? I wonder. Would have been kind, but this man was very evil. You know, Jesus talked about it. Jazz wanted to ring Barcy. Jesus even talked about, about a man. He called a fool. He said, I, this man built houses. Store, store, built barns, excuse me. Stored up new barns. Filled them up. Saying he'll eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus called, God called him a fool and said, This night thy soul shall be required of you. Foolish. Foolish. Let me tell you, Nabal could blame Nabal for what happened to him. That foolish man 
could blame that him for what happened to him. Let me tell you in this day about Nabal. Nabal's own actions towards David, I believe, had his life cut short. His evilness, ungodliness, may have been a cause of Nabal dying maybe earlier than he should. Let me tell you, people... You can shorten your days. You can shorten your days on this earth. But Nabal was a foolish man. Just like those that don't take responsibility wants to place the blame game. That's foolish. Let me tell you, we all make mistakes. But it's how we handle those mistakes. I'm going to blame, Junior's going to blame Norma Jean. Norma Jean's going to turn around and blame somebody else. And it's going to go on and on. Somebody needs to say, it was me. And just take it and be responsible for what our actions is. See, foolishness will bring our own ruin. We need to ask God for wisdom. He that lacketh wisdom, let him ask God for wisdom, because he'll give us wisdom. But in this day, I'm telling you, you hear me. What I'm about to tell you is strong. Let me tell you what America's problem is. Proud of it. It's reject the greatest thing is rejected Jesus Christ. But I don't know how many in here has noticed the foolishness. that we see in this country. And I'm afraid it's the reason it's going to be ruined. It's going to fall. I'm just going to say this, and I'm not getting into it much. But if you studied the old Roman Empire, it was a power in its day. American, the whole Roman Empire has got a lot of parallels. It's heading down the same path as that old Roman Empire. And Rome collapsed because of its own foolishness. That's where we're heading. It can happen in our lives. We can bring things on our lives because of our foolishness. The reason we ain't got no leadership is because of some of the foolishness. I'll, I'll stop it right there. I could say something. But it ain't hard to figure out some of this foolishness going on. It'll bring you ruin. I'm going to just tell you right here. I'll say it like this. <laughs> you know me, sometimes I, I got to just say it. <laughs> you elect a clown, you get a circus. A dangerous one. That's what we see. Wake up. We need to turn back to God. We need to turn back to God. Seek the face of God. Because I'm telling you, just like Israel, old people ain't hearing God. You stand it here this tonight. 
you're able. I want to give this altar call like this. And we'll see those online Wednesday evening. We'll pray for you tonight, Judy. We got you in prayer. I want you to get up here tonight, those that will. Seek the face of God for wisdom, for this nation, for your life. If you're able, or pray where you're at tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch Nancy right now, Lord. Move, Lord, upon her, dear God, tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray.